Welcome, everyone, today to Victoria and Friends. Seriously, you have been such a dear friend to me. And I'm so grateful that I can call you my friend. So, Father, I just ask you to help our friends. I'm good. It's so lovely to be with you. (laughs) You don't have the face for radio. You have the face for television. (laughs) Today, I'm talking to a friend of mine. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria, and congratulations on your new show. Welcome to Victoria and Friends. Victoria's guest today is an author, YouTuber, influencer, encourager, and former primetime news anchor, Dominique Saxa. And now, here's Victoria Osteen. I am talking to a friend of mine, which I am so glad is my friend, Dominique Saxa. I am so glad that you're my friend, Dominique. Now, when I first met Dominique, she was reporting news for KPRC Channel 2. Mm -hmm. And I can remember looking at her thinking how amazingly beautiful she is and so poised. And now all these years we've become friends, and I think that's so amazing. How are you doing, Dominique? I am doing great. I am so happy to be with you. I'm excited to be a part of this new venture for you. Um, I think bringing on friends and having chats and conversations with people who have been in your world and have served a purpose in different ways, and then to bring that out and and to show people why you've been touched by people in your life, and I'm honored to be among them. And so I can't thank you enough, and I've I've been enjoying your team, and and we've been having great conversations behind the scenes so far. Yeah, we we really have. It's fun. But I just want, for those who don't know you, can you just start off Mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about your journey when you came to Houston and your news anchoring and how long yeah sure it's um, interesting I came to Houston by way of my parents Um, we moved here when I was eight years old and we settled into the memorial area of Houston so I grew up on the west side of town went to Frostwood Elementary Memorial Middle Memorial High School Um, really wanted a departure for college so I went to uh, an American University in London just outside of London for school but I knew at the time I wanted to study broadcast journalism. I, In fact, when MTV debuted when I was 15, I will never forget it, and it was the first time that I saw young people as broadcasters, and I said, that's what I want to do. That's it. So I already had the eye on the prize, but at the same time, I was looking for a cultural fix, and I went overseas for a semester, came home, and I was just missing something. It was a great school if you wanted to do business, finance, international studies, all of that. But they really didn't have a big broadcasting department. So I checked out U of H during my winter break, and I saw the classes, and I saw that students got to work out of Channel 8, which is the first public broadcast station in the country. So it was checking all these boxes, and I thought, how ironic. You know, out of all the places I went, where I really needed to be was right here in my own backyard. And everything started there. And I was a broadcast journalism graduate from U of H, went into radio for a little bit as a traffic reporter at Metro Traffic. I became a disc jockey at Mix 96.5 for a couple of years. And then from there, I made the leap over to Channel 2. And that's where you lived for how long? 28 years. (laughs) 28 years. I started when I was 12. (laughs) That is so amazing. And you were, and, and you, you garnered such an amazing audience and people just love you. And, 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 and KPRC had huge ratings, probably the, best ratings and I really always said it's because yeah. of it's because of Dominique. I mean, you know, oh, thank you. She does such a great job and I remember saying to you before, don't let anyone steal you from Houston. But <laughs> nobody did. Nobody <laughs> did. So you actually before you uh retired mm-hmm. 
after 28 years. Yeah. Before that, you started a YouTube station. Yes. And just began talking about beauty and lifestyle and encouraging women uh, in their, in their, you know, just with their looks, their makeup, all the simple things that you want to ask a friend. Sure. But, you know, you don't always, they don't always have the answers and you're so beautiful. And so tell us a little bit how you started that and how, why was that a passion to do? Well, it's funny. The impetus for that is, um, and you'll probably know this because you're on camera and, and recorded and so people can reach out to you and comment. And it's funny, as a woman in the television news business, you could say the earth is imploding and someone will write in and say, I'm not so sure about that blouse on you. <laughs> you know? It's a very subjective thing, especially for women. You know, like it or not, people really respond to appearance. And I would get a lot of emails at the station about hair, makeup, wardrobe. And sometimes people would say, I really love your eye makeup look today. How did you do that? And I would type, I would literally type an answer. So you take your little palette and you start with the mid shade and you put it on your lid and then you do this. And I thought, okay, there's got to be a better way. And a young girl who I met had a YouTube channel and she knew that I was doing this type of stuff. And in fact, I actually one time took my cell phone, did a reverse selfie video of a smoky eye, and I posted it to my KPRC Facebook page. And I thought, should I have done that? You know, because normally all the things that I would post would be news content and all of that. And now I'm doing a makeup tutorial. But the crazy thing is, Victoria, the response to that was unbelievable. It was shocking to me, in fact. So they would say, now I know. And I, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you showed me. And what about this? And what about that? And so that was the birth of the YouTube channel. It made sense. You know, people were hungry for information, especially at, at that time I started in my mid-40s. I'm now in my mid-50s. So that generation really didn't have anybody. You know, we mm. would go to these, you know, 20-somethings who were doing eyeshadow tutorials. But as you well know, makeup on a 20-year-old is going to look very different from makeup on a woman who's in midlife. And I think they were just glad to have a representative doing that content. I love that so much and so needed. And that's why yeah. it's done so well. You have well, almost, what, 2 million people yes. on your YouTube channel that you are able to share with and and speak to, and do you do it by questions? Like, do mm -hmm. people, do you, like, say what, you, you see what's really coming in, and yes. then you begin to talk about those things. Yeah, I mean, at first it started with what was in my wheelhouse and what I knew. So I would start with that type of content. So it was makeup and hair and style and fashion, and based those questions that I was getting asked a lot by viewers who would watch me on television. Then I would start soliciting questions from people, and it started to branch off, and it became well, what do you eat? What's your lifestyle like? How do you exercise? How are you in shape? You know, this, that. So I thought, okay, they're, they're wanting more and I've got some knowledge in this area. I may as well share what works for me. May not work for everybody, but this is my journey. And then I would open it up to Q&A videos. And then they would really start to get kind of deep and personal about just living life and, you know, mistakes and how do you handle life and faith and grace. And, and it was all touching me in a place where I live. And the more real it got, the happier I was. Mm. Yeah. That's nice. When you're doing things that you know that you're supposed to be doing, yes. it's, it becomes a little easier. And what I mean about easier, it doesn't mean you don't work really hard. Mm -hmm. It's just such a joy. I'll tell you a question that I would have put in if I would have thought about it, What's because that? I always thought about this when I would see you anchoring. Yeah. How do you do it all? I mean, you have to be mm -hmm. camera ready every single day. Yep. 
that means you have to know, you know, what you're going to wear. Plus, you have to have all your scripts. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have to raise your family. Yes. Plus, you have to rest. Plus, you have to eat. <laughs> and I'm like, just getting your clothes ready for the week is enough. I know. You know, and then being camera ready. How was the pressure of that? And how did you manage it and balance all that? I think the best way is to have a plan and a system. And I think that goes for whatever you're doing in life and whatever your life looks like. If you have a system and a plan by which you do things, so that means scheduling and structure and knowing when you can do things and when you can't do things, knowing how long it's going to take. So my process, my makeup process for television was about a 30-minute process. So I knew at, at a certain point I had to cut in. That was my time where, you know, mama had to be left alone and I've got to get ready for work. Clothing-wise, I had a system where I would rotate out so I wouldn't wear the same thing every month. So I would take something, once it's worn, kind of put it back in line. Thank goodness Rent the Runway got in the picture because that really helped a lot of us. We would have to shop. We bought our own clothes. Yeah, I mean, station, when do you shop? Like, yes. really, when do you have time to do that? Nobody. And everybody was shopping online. And you figure out what your your look is. You know, you kind of hone in on what's my kind of signature style. I know a certain style fits me better. I know solids will fit me better. I know certain colors or primaries will work for me. So, again, it's knowing and narrowing and then making decisions. But it was expensive, you know, being able to oh. rotate all that out and – you know, trying not to repeat. the uh, My co-anchor could wear the same tie every day of the week. No one would write in. If I wore the same dress in the week, I would have a million emails. Or even emails. in the last couple weeks. Yes. I was like, when are you going to wear something new, Dominique? I know. I was like, what's going on? And don't they pay her enough? What's the deal? Yeah, you got to plan for it and structure these things. And, and you can make anything work if you allocate the right amount of time. But if you're overextending in other areas and it starts to bleed into the areas that really you need to work on and that serve you, then there's a problem. So you have to know how to say no. You sure do. And that's not always easy because yeah. you would do a lot of events in the city. Yeah. Because that was a requirement probably mm-hmm. as well as beneficial to yes. the station. Yeah. So you had to show up for those things. So you had to know when to say no to your friends, mm-hmm. how to organize your time. Right. Um, I mean, even saying, well, I knew it was going to allot this amount of time for makeup, this amount of time for hair. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there's no uh, <laughs> errors. <laughs> exactly. But you're right. There are other things that factor into the equation and you want to create balance. And I've always said balance isn't a daily win. It's more of a monthly win. You have to look at the overall picture because you're not going to ever have a balanced day. Some days may skew more toward work. Some days may skew more toward children. It's it's always an ebb and a flow. But if you can look at your month and feel that you had the proper time allocated to work, the proper time allocated to your family, the proper time for your self-care, for your wellness, for your spirituality, and in the end, how do you feel about yourself? That really lets you know how you're doing. And if you're feeling off, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling agitated or irritable, then something that needs attention isn't getting the attention. And that was something that I learned as time went by. You know, it's it's wisdom that we get as we grow. I was off kilter a lot. I said yes way too many times because I'm by nature a people pleaser. I want people to feel good. I want them to feel special. But sometimes it was at the detriment to myself. So I had to learn sometimes to say no graciously to be able to take care of me. 
Yeah, I like that, that, you know, not every day is going to be that, quote, balance. It's mm-hmm. it's more like harmony. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and staying in that place of harmony and in that place of peace and giving right. yourself the grace to, you know, to say, well, you know, it's not that I'm a bad person saying no Correct. or I can't do this for my child, but I can make arrangements. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, make them still feel special. I can, you know, do what it takes, but just learning that. And that's a real, that's hard for women. Do you get a lot of those questions? I mean, that's just... A lot, a lot. I find most women who reach out to me at this stage in their lives are at a point of burnout. They have invested and they have done so much for others. We are oftentimes very service-minded, and we want to serve and service our, whether it's career, our family, our, you know, whatever we're dedicated to. And we tend to leave the last little bit for ourselves. And when you hit midlife, you know, your body is going through so many changes. Your mind, everything is shifting. And a lot of women just sometimes catch a glimpse of themselves in the mirror and they don't recognize themselves anymore. And they wonder, what happened? Where did I lose myself? And how do I get me back? And the thing is, is that the me today was not the me at 20. So the beauty in the process is you always have this opportunity to reinvent yourself. You always have an opportunity to start to discover who it is that you want to be and what you want to pursue. I may have some hobbies from childhood that I can carry over into adulthood. I may have new things that I want to explore just by trying and dabbling in something. And so that's always my encouragement to women is that if you feel lost, if you feel like you're just unattractive or you feel unhealthy or unstimulated – Find those things that rev you up again and do it in just little doses. And mm-hmm. you'd be amazed at how all of those little add-ons really, really grow and become something powerful. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, since you're, uh, you you wrote a book. Yes. And you did really well with that. And how, how much did you learn? Tell me the name of your book. Tell our audience the sure. name of your book. It's called Life Makeover, Embrace the Bold, Beautiful, and Blessed You. That is so good. And you have... It's not only beauty, but it's mm-hmm. also how you incorporate your faith. Yes. And out of that book, now you are doing a podcast, Over 50 and Flourishing. Yes. And tell us a little bit about this new podcast. Yeah. it's This is honestly, Victoria, this to me is the perfect marriage of 28 years in journalism and what it is that I love to talk about, which is empowering women in this stage of life. Like you, here we are having this wonderful conversation. I love to ask questions. I love to be a journalist. I love to prepare and and get to know somebody better. I want to be able to ask those questions of someone to enlighten and empower whoever it is that's listening. So that's what this podcast lets me do now. I, I get to go back. I get to research and study somebody and who they are and what they are and just think, how can I bring out of them what it is that my audience might need at this time and and meet them where they are in life? So this podcast is truly me being me. I mean, the, and it's not to say the tutorials aren't. I love them and I love the sort of teaching role and, and maybe mentoring role that they serve. But to me, there's nothing better than the interaction. And when I was an anchor at Channel 2, my two favorite things to do were interviewing somebody and breaking news coverage. And 
even though the breaking news coverage might not necessarily be a positive subject matter, it again was the interaction. It was the interaction with the viewer who may have called in. It was the interaction with an elected official, the interaction with my colleagues at work. That's just how I'm wired. I want to connect that way. So you being a broadcaster for 28 years have really prepared you so well to interact with people, to, yeah. to you know, pull out of them what the audience wants, like you said, and also probably pull out of them some things they didn't really even know. Right, maybe so. They were so. thinking, That's you know? my hope, that kind of Barbara Walters moment, you yeah. know, where you get something special and magical that you never anticipated. It was unscripted, but just in the ebb and flow of the conversation, it organically evolved. And that's what I love. You yeah. know, if you can hit on that and just get to the truth in something and get authenticity, then you've done your job. Yeah. So there's there was a transition yeah. through you know you'd been on TV it was mm-hmm. kind of uh, an identity and and you know we don't want to put our identity in what we do right. but who we are as a person and who we are in in Christ mm-hmm. you know and what he's given us but there is a disconnect there sometimes and especially for women who maybe their children are 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 going off to college or and now they're 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 like what do i do now i've been i've been serving my children or in yeah. your case i've been serving this you know this community yes for 28 years and tell me a little bit if you can about the transition and sure. kind of the way you had to maybe change your perspective on some things that you yeah. didn't even know that yeah. you were going to think i think you know for me my even though i loved what I did, and I, I did it for so you wouldn't do something for so long, I think, if you didn't love it. That's that's how I feel about it. But I also felt a stirring and a calling a few years before I left that it was already time to move on. So I felt that pull, and I knew I had to honor that. And I thought, okay, what does that look like? And as as the YouTube platform was growing, I was really enjoying that. So I thought, okay, that's going to be the place to start. And it was during that time that the whole book development came to be and, you know, getting connected through both you and Joel, a literary agent, and then a publisher. And that magically happened. And that allowed for another cathartic outlet. But I will say that it's still to make this kind of a leap is a huge leap of faith. It is a bold risk. And I talk about that a lot in my book about the importance of bold risk taking in life. And there's a huge difference between a bold, calculated, intentional risk Versus reckless risk-taking. Reckless risk-taking always leads us in trouble. That's usually acting on a whim or an impulse. But a bold risk with intent is usually based on something that God has planted in you, right? It's a seed, but you're scared. You're scared of the what-ifs. What if I fail? What if I can't produce? What if I you know, don't have an income? I mean, here I was leaving a steady, nice salary, with benefits, with vacation. Yeah, because you could have kept going. They I, would have loved to have had you for another 28 <laughs> who years. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But yes, I mean, I had to walk away from incredible stability and move into an arena where I was so unfamiliar, and that's entrepreneurship, and go from steady Eddie to paychecks fluctuating, having to now figure out health insurance, having to now figure out when am I going to get some time off because I don't see it in the future, (laughs) you know, all of that. So I just think that you just have to know that 
yes, you you have to make these big, bold jumps in your life. You have to draw your paper, you know, your pluses and your minuses. And if your plus column far outweighs the minus column, then you need to go for it. And I think God will reward you in ways that surprise you. And that's what I have found in this big leap of faith. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, there are a lot of women who are facing these jumps right now, whether it's personal, professional, whatever it may be. But if you have that calling, the worst thing you can do is sit still because then you're asking yourself, what if I did? Yeah. You, that, you, I've heard it said, you never regret the things you did. You always regret the things you no, haven't done. That's right. So, and if you have a passion, it, sometimes that passion can lead to something else. Yeah. For instance, you're started even on Facebook, posting a Facebook sure. post. And then you went had a book and now you have a podcast right. and and so there's so many things that can develop out of that but that's such a new um uh way of thinking it is like it's like not even probably in your realm of gener- generation not at all you know and so that was a huge leap right there i mean yeah, yeah it's like these young girls started this and they're in in the influencers and yes it was like nobody would have ever dreamed that you know when you were Going into broadcast, you would have no. never in a life dreamed that was a way to get a message out. Yeah, but here's the beauty in that. So in my day, I was beholden to the subjectivity of a news director who had to like me, who had to think, you know, I, I physically fit the bill. I, as a reporter, fit the bill. Very subjective business. So you could get passed on, you know, from one place to the next to the next. Never really have career development because nobody really liked you or you work at a place, and I saw this happen all the time, new management comes in, they have an idea of who should be anchoring or what they like or what their style is, and suddenly you don't, they don't like you. So it's, it's the most subjective industry there is, and I've seen a lot of careers die because of that. And the beauty of this is with the instability and the unpredictability, we get to broadcast ourselves. I'm not dependent on somebody to say, you, I want you to host a podcast. I think you could do a YouTube channel. No, you just do it. And you know who supports you? The audience. Yeah. If they like what you're doing, then you've got a career. They tell you. So, that's, so that would be your, if someone came up to you and said, I want to start a YouTube channel, yeah. what, what, how do I do that? What mm-hmm. would, be, would that be your advice? What would be your advice? My advice would be, what's your lane? What makes you special? What makes you different? How are you different from everything else that's out there? What do you bring to the table? What's your story? How is it going to evolve? You know, you, you can't just do one thing. It's got to be multifaceted. So what makes you unique and special? Figure that out and then broadcast that and then let it rip. Be you, be authentic, be, be real. That is the one thing that I think helped me grow the most, Victoria, is that As years went by, and the more I opened myself up, and as you know, that's a hard thing to do in this space. Well, especially when you have had to be a certain way in your broadcast. Even you thought, oh my goodness, should I have posted that? I don't ever do that. I, I post news. Where are the lines that I'm supposed to stay in? I know. So that can really, without you even knowing, you know, keep you in a box. Yeah. You're supposed to represent this. You're, you're, you're representing the community. You're representing a station. You're representing. So, yeah, I love that. Talk about that yeah. because a lot of us can 
can get in that place, even if you're a daughter, mm-hmm. even if you are, you know, a mother, you're supposed to be a certain way. Yep. You know, just so many things try to keep us in a box. So mm-hmm. I, I love this conversation. So tell me more about it. Me too. And you used a word um, that I think is interesting, and the word is supposed. And so I'll say, according to whom? Who says that we're supposed to be a certain way? So I've learned that the more I drop that word supposed and realize it's not what others place on me, but it's how I'm going to choose to do me, that suddenly things, the tides started to turn. And that's when I noticed the most response to what it was that I'm doing, the most feedback, the most give me more. You know, we need more of this. We need more authenticity and vulnerability and truth out there. Because in terms of, let's just say, for example, going through midlife, oh my gosh, Victoria, it was like this horrible secret that everybody kept generationally. Everybody said, my mother never talked about it. My grandmother never talked about it. Here I am going through it. And it's like, I feel like I'm alone. And suddenly there's been this tidal wave of discussion about midlife and menopause. And the reaction from women is, thank goodness, you know, I'm not unnormal. This this is normal. What I'm experiencing is real. You know, it, it's diagnosable. It's I can be treated. I can get some help if I'm struggling here. So that's a prime example of how being real, vulnerable, and authentic really paves the way for other people to not feel alone, not feel so bad about their situation, and then to troubleshoot and find a solution for them. And it's like we said before, my solution may not be her solution, but maybe the conversation, maybe talking to a practitioner who specializes in that area can lead to a phone call, can lead to an appointment, can lead to a referral where suddenly she's getting the care that she needs. So I really want to just kind of break the reins of supposed and how we think we're supposed to do things (laughs) because honestly – We get to define that. And I think the more we break outside that box of conformity and uniformity, I think the more we we reap and sow the fruit. Yeah, I'm talking to my friend Dominique Saksha. This is such a great conversation because people think that if they do a certain way, they're going to be judged. Yes. Or if they're not doing it the way someone else is doing it, that it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so I love this conversation about just really learning how to be yourself. What yeah. I, what do you identify with? And and really just learning to be vulnerable is really what it is. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot when you go on. And I mean, this is radio. We're not doing video, mm-hmm. but you were so beautiful. And of course, people would want to ask you questions. They want to know about you. And so for you to break this, like, well, I've been through this mm-hmm. and this is, this may look perfect on the outside, but I've had to learn and I've struggled and I've felt this way is just a huge, you know, comfort to people. But that takes vulnerability and that takes saying, you know, but I'm happy, but. Yes. And and even the acknowledgement of when I'm not happy. You know, I I was a, I'm a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) as I like to call myself. I for so long operated under that bubble that I had to present that everything was perfect and wonderful and great. And sure, there were times in my life where things were perfect and wonderful and great, but there were also times when they were not. And I was, I felt like I was kind of falling apart on the inside. And then, you know, sometimes I would just break and big life decisions would be made. And to a lot of people close to me, it seemed like they came out of nowhere. Because I wasn't being open and I wasn't sharing my discomfort. I wasn't sharing my pain. I wasn't sharing my struggles. And decisions then became a shock 
to people. And it's like, where, why, you know? And, and I just kept everything a secret because I felt like I just had to be perfect. I had to be perfect in my work, perfect in my marriage, perfect in everything. And, you know, now perfection is an, is an impossibility, but expect excellence. That's, that's how I feel. You know, try to be excellent at what you do, but do not think you can be perfect in anything. The only perfect thing is God. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of a tough one to learn. But when I started to chip away at that and acknowledge that I'm a recovering perfectionist, acknowledge that I have made mistakes, acknowledge that I've had pain, struggles, you know, good decisions, bad decisions, you know, everything in between, and just sort of put it out there, that's that vulnerability that you talk about. It also leads to the judgment and criticism that you touched on as well. Because when you do open yourself up, yes, you can connect so deeply with women who feel like they're in the same place and they think, thank goodness I'm not the only one. There's somebody out there. I never would have thought she would be going through that, but she is and so am I. At the same time, there are those who love to judge and criticize and be mean-spirited. You know, we I call them the keyboard warriors, keyboard courage on social media, and we all are faced with that. Thankfully, I think from my time in television, I learned to just handle that like water off a duck's back. I don't let it in. I don't let it become a part of my identity. I don't let it change my thoughts about my decision to share something. I just say, you know what, that's that's their pain. That's their problem. That's how they see themselves, and it's being projected on me. I choose not to receive it. And if things get too ugly, well, there's always the delete button, you know? So that's how I think about that, too. Right. And do you try not to read those comments? I know that it's just better sometimes yes. to just, when you see it coming, it's just skip by that. I'm not going to give you time in my life. No. Or a say in my life. Absolutely. Now, there is a difference between constructive criticism yes. and to be say, oh, maybe that wasn't, maybe that mm-hmm. didn't go over well or something. But right. There is then just the person that wants to say mean things because really yeah. they don't feel good about themselves. Yes. You know, and just because you don't agree with someone or somebody's what 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 they're saying doesn't mean you have to be mean about it. Absolutely. You know, you just say that's not for me and you know, nobody's making you watch it. Yeah. Nobody's making you know, exactly. look at it. It's like I didn't force you to, you that's know. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's a learned thing though, I think, don't you think? I do, I do. And I think also it's it's a part of kind of class and decorum, which is something else that I touch upon in the book that concerns me today in society. And I think, honestly, social media has really led to the demise of how we conduct ourselves and being civilly obedient and kind to one another. You know, we can respectfully disagree. I remember when I was growing up and you would talk to people of different political party affiliations and there would be this banter back and forth, you know, I think this and I think that and this policy and that policy. But it never got ugly. It never got mean, and it never became a character character assault. Nowadays, if people don't agree on something, they'll literally unfriend them. And I'll think, wait a second, what's going on here? Can't we have differences of opinion in, in different areas of life, but still agree to get along, still agree to be civil in how we talk about these things, do it in a respectful way, you know, keep the language clean, use, come from a place of intelligence, come from a place of knowledge and not I feel, right? Everybody can say I feel. Yeah, we all feel. Yeah, that's a, but that's a trigger. Feelings are not truth though. Yes, Feelings are not. They're not. So tell me where you're coming from. How did you get to this perspective? You know, what's your knowledge base? What did you study? What did you learn? What? Tell me, I want to learn something from you. Maybe what you have to say will change my mind about something if it's from an informed place. You know, that's yeah. the journalist in me. 
come from an informed place and yeah. then let's talk. Yeah, and I just don't I think we've just lost empathy for one another. Yeah. You that's know, so it's true. just lost empathy. And we need that. We need to be able to say, hey, okay, I understand. I don't know the roads you've walked. I don't mm-hmm. know the shoes you're in. I don't know why you have those perspectives, but you're allowed to have them. Yeah. Now, of course, like you said earlier, we want to be excellent in what we think and the way we want to present ourselves. But, you know, we're not perfect either. Right. So it's like, I think we just need to give each other a little more grace. Mm. And uh, I like the fact that you brought faith into this as well, which is a subject that is so important because faith is really about how you feel. Mm. It's about who you are. It's about an identity and something that's really stable and true that can help you, you know, navigate all of this other stuff that comes at us. So just yeah. wait, we have a minute or so left. Just tell me how faith has helped you so much. Oh, Victoria, it's my cornerstone. It's my everything. It's it's my why. It's my how. It's my morning, my noon, my night. It's, you know, my conversations with God happen all the time. I'm so grateful for his presence in my life. I'm so grateful he's there every time I call upon him. He listens, he feels, he hears, and, you know, he's my sounding board. I You know, I couldn't do life without my faith in God. And I love to talk about him and share him in that way because I think that connection is also missing. It's like I tell people, press into your belief system, whatever that is, however it looks, press into it. It will serve you so well. It will gratitude every single day, even in the dark hours. There's always something to be thankful for. It's especially easy in the good times, right? But still, offer up gratitude and thanks and and be grateful for all the gifts that God has given us. I think no matter who we are, where we are, any phase or stage in life, we have something that we can say, dear Lord, thank you for this amazing gift, for this gift of health, gift of voice, gift of whatever. I think when you do that, it just automatically shifts your mindset. It puts you in a great space to be able to handle whatever it is that comes your way. Mm. And I will say this, you know, oftentimes people say to me, thank you for not being afraid to share your faith. And I think, wow, you know, why should I be afraid to talk about God? You know, why should I be afraid to talk about the one thing that is my true, my steady, and my rock? And I just, you know, it makes me sad in a way that people think I should be fearful. But at the same time, I will shout it from the rooftops. Mm. That is so good. I love it. I'm talking to Dominique Saksha. Her podcast, Over 50 and Fabulous, is airing. You can find it on the App Store, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Just yeah. go into where podcasts are. And so yeah. that's so great. And I love that so much. It's been so fun talking to you. Oh, thank and, you, Victoria. You know, I love the fact that we can listen to people who will be vulnerable, who will share their faith, and who mm-hmm. will... You know, just have a heart to help people, and that's what you do. So I appreciate you so much. Well, I appreciate you and everything you and Joel do as well. You guys are a big part of my life, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends, produced in partnership with SiriusXM. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and let us know what you think. And if you've not done so already, subscribe so you'll never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends.